This episode is dedicated to albums that came out in 2018. We'll get back to the educational conversations and the punk stuff next week, but this week we're going to talk about music, so if this isn't interesting to you, take another week off. But I like to start off the year with a conversation on new music because uh, I listen to so much music and my friends listen to so much music that I like to just get it out there and have a good conversation. This is a really fun conversation with my friends Casey Arn and Scott Hayden who are in Oregon and Texas respectively. So we cover a big chunk of the country, the three of us, and we have a really good conversation about a lot of the musics that musics, musics, music that we listen to uh, in 2018. And you also get to hear a bunch of that music. You just heard a little bit from Lucy Dacus, which, spoiler alert, is going to come up later. Lucy Dacus' new album, Historian, is very good. Um, so that's the music you'll hear during the episode. Um, and we are also doing a nice big old giveaway, just to heads up. If you go to our Instagram account, you can check out uh, a fantastic little spoiler or a little teaser that we're going to be doing a contest starting next week about giving away a whole bunch of records from a whole bunch of labels that support this podcast over the last couple of years. I'm very excited to do that huge giveaway for folks. We'll likely have a couple winners for it, but I'm I'm just super stoked to to get a bunch of music out there to people and to thank people for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time here, we like to let folks know that we are part of the Connect EDU network, which combines a whole bunch of educational podcasts from the world of higher education and beyond. We are the punks inside of that scene. We fill in that little bit of a void that brings in the DIY disruptors, the everyday educators, and uh, the folks in the punk scenes, the DIY scenes, and all over the country doing incredible uh basically unsung hero work that I find and people suggest to me and I have conversations with them. It's pretty cool. I enjoy these conversations. You're going to get to hear a bunch of cool stuff this season. I have a lot of really neat things planned and we'll make sure that uh, this is all worth your time putting the podcast into your ears. This episode is a little bit longer than usual episodes you might notice, um, but I just w- didn't want to chop it up in two episodes like I did last year. Instead, I just wanted to put it all in here and folks could like come back to it as they please. 
I don't have a whole lot else to share except that my nonprofit, Art of Survival, which you are hopefully all aware of if you've been listening to the podcast, has officially relaunched uh, as of Monday. We have rebranded. We are uh, rededicating ourselves to a different aspect of the work on healing and trauma and survival. And we are making, still making art for people, but we are also supporting bands in the scene and getting music and resources out to folks in the community. Uh, you can visit a link in the show notes to donate to our Patreon account, which will also uh, benefit the podcast to a degree because there is an op that you can become a sponsor of the podcast if you want to throw some money my way for the work that I put into uh, making this podcast. It'll also go toward uh, funding the work that we do with Art of Survival. Uh, Katie is actually heading out today. They left today to go to Los Angeles to start a tour with our friends Sharptooth. So you won't hear from Katie for a little while, but when they get back, we're likely going to have a good conversation about what it even looked like for them to get there because spoiler alert, they quit their job. So we're going to have a lot more to talk about then. And before we get into this conversation with Casey and Scott, just a quick spoiler alert, you're going to hear me talk about the new Haley Hendrix album later, and you're going to hear a little bit of it right now, a fantastic song. Uh, all the songs that are shared throughout this episode will be in the show notes, so make sure that you follow up if you like what you hear. Now let's get to this conversation. If you don't go outside, well nothing's gonna happen, she'll never write a number on a crumpled up napkin. She'll never be your ego, she'll never be your bandit She'll never get to eat you like your heart's a pomegranate I'm throwing out the milk, the olives got old I'm tired of my mind getting heavy with mold I need to start a garden Alright, hey, so I've got Casey and Scott, my good friends from two different parts of the country. Uh, Casey's from my home state of Oregon. That's right. <laughs> Oregon, sorry. I cringed when I did that. I was trying to make a joke. Everyone makes fun of Oregon by calling it Oregon. Uh, Scott is in Texas, so this is a full... Uh, nationwide conversation, East Coast, West Coast, and South represented. Katie's uh, Midwest, so we I guess we have all four of the we areas do. covered. <laughs> there we go. So I have Scott and Casey here on the conversation because we consistently talk about music almost every single day. Uh, and now it's time to hear voices from each other because we don't get to do that very often. Um but I'll have them tell you a little bit about who they are, and we'll get started. Here is Scott. Oh. You want me to talk about myself? Scott, just want to say who you are, where you are, what you do. Yeah. Um, so originally from Southern California, Orange County, uh, which would I think would tell you a decent amount about what I like as far as music goes. Came up on the 90s skate punk that was really big in Southern California. Um, and then also the Orange County hardcore scene, which was huge at the early 2000s. Um, so I love all that stuff, but my tastes are pretty wide. I uh, currently live in Austin uh, doing boring project management for a tech company. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Someone's got to get it done, right, Scott? 
Someone's got to make the money. <laughs> <laughs> Someone. Uh, Casey, who are you? Uh, my name's Casey. I actually know Scott. We met at a record store that I used to work at. I hung out there so much that they let me work on Sundays. And uh, that's when we first met. And then we reconnected years later, like through, I don't know, Facebook or something when I was living overseas. And uh, we've been friends ever since and used to run a little website together called Type and Stereo that is sadly no more. But uh, I'm a high school teacher, and I will say that it is very annoying when you guys talk about music in the middle of the day, and I'll be in the middle of teaching, and I'm like, I cannot answer any of these texts, and I'll get like <laughs> 64th thing thread, and I have so much to say about it, but it's all passed <laughs> by the time I get to lunch, and I can actually reply to it. So, <laughs> And we're in different time zones. Yeah, and we're in different time zones. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all horrible. We're but, literally all three in different time zones. <laughs> yes. You forgot the softball team, Casey. And we played on a softball team as well. There's a funny story about that. If we have time at the end, I'll tell it. Hell yeah. Well, I also, uh, Casey eventually will be a guest on the podcast because we want to get into the whole high school teaching aspect of his life. Um, Oh, yes. Last time I was home, we we were going to, but it just didn't happen. So next time I go home, we'll make it happen. Um, cool. So we're here to talk about our favorite albums of 2018. We're doing it a little bit after 18, 2018, because this is, uh, that's the way it should be done the whole year. You should be finding new stuff as the year winds down. And I know all three of us did. Um, so it kind of shook some stuff up for us. So I'm really glad that we waited and that we're having the conversation now. And, uh, I think what we're going to do is go through our top tens. Uh, kind of share a little bit about what we enjoyed about each album and we'll just kind of like get through it and then it'll be fun and we'll make sure that uh, we recommend some stuff to you hopefully that you uh, will enjoy as much as we did uh, that sound good to you guys yeah hell yeah scott why don't you get us started with your number 10 yeah okay um Playing on what you said as far as finding uh, music at the end, I wish we would do this like halfway through the year or maybe like in October so that I could start discovering all the stuff that I would discover the last month of the year (laughs) earlier so it would be on my list. Like, So my number 10 probably wouldn't have made made my top 10 if I had discovered like idols earlier hmm. or that shame album. Like I really liked both of those and they just didn't make my list cause I didn't have enough time with them. But, um, anyway, we, I digress. We kind of, I, I definitely fucked with that idols album. It's so good. And I wish I would have heard about it earlier. And yeah, but unfortunately it's just, I just didn't listen to it enough before I started making my list. So that got left off. But number 10 for me was, uh, the Cloud Nothings uh, last uh, Building Burning album. Uh, this is a band that like I had heard a lot before. Um, I've never really been a huge fan of theirs. Um, their last album was really boring for me. I know a lot of people really liked it, but it was just kind of blah. Um, and this one just had a ton of energy. That first out, al- that first song on the album just kind of like kind of gives the album its name, I think, because that song is like a burning building for sure. Uh, but yeah, the great album, uh, a lot of energy as opposed to the last, as opposed to the last one. And I just, yeah, just really stuck with me from the get go. 
Dude, I was blown away by it, especially that first track, and then they kind of like alternate sounds a little bit, and it's it's all over the place. Definitely a big change for them. Yeah, it's super catchy too. Like, um, leave him like the leave him now, which I think was the second song, was like really really catchy. Um, and then there was another song towards the end that's that was really catchy as well. But I just I, yeah, it was just a great album. Not too many bands sound like that. I think like the singer sounds like um what's his bucket from uh jawbreaker mm. but but the drumming was blake fucking... schwarzenbach <laughs> what's that blake schwarzenbach yes yes okay the uh the drumming on that was really great i i'm not a musician so it's just i go by what i hear but the the drumming on it sounded just like the guy sounded out of breath by the end of the album like i just <laughs> i couldn't believe how crazy it was but yeah so that was my number 10 did you get to hear that one, Casey? Um, that was one of those ones that Scott recommended and threw Jawbreaker out there, so it intrigued me. And I listened to it once or twice and never came back to it. This year for music for me was there was so much stuff out there that I was like just wowed with right away and then dug into that like there's a bunch of albums that I'm sure they're good, and if I spent time with them, I would you know enjoy them more, but it was just like I have a limited amount of time to listen to music in the day, so I ended up going with other stuff. So it never really caught me but i downloaded it so maybe maybe i can figure it out one day well then what hit you at number 10 what hit me at number 10 was and i was gonna say so for my overall list uh if you would have asked me at the beginning of 2018 like for anticipated albums and what will probably be on your number 10 only one band came in at number nine so this is all like stuff that was wildly unexpected from me like hey for ended up enjoying it you know not that i haven't heard of any of the bands just that you know i was not expecting them to put out something i enjoyed so much and this band is like a prime example of because i had completely forgotten about them it's cursive with their album vitriola Mm. um so i mean they kind of fell off after the ugly organ like that was the only album i really ever liked by them which is probably you know a sentiment shared by a lot of people because it was really accessible and you know if you weren't a hardcore fan uh you probably weren't super into your other stuff. Um, but anyways, they just came along and they basically, they sounded kind of like a spiritual successor to the ugly organ. Like they put a cello back in the band, which is a big part of it. And I was just kind of amazed by Tim Casher's ability to take really ugly sounding guitar riffs and really out of sequence, like kind of very discordant stuff and somehow write a melodic vocal line over it and make it work. Like, cause I'm like, I kept on wondering, I was like, how do you write this music? Like, it's not, it's not chords, it's not, you know, normal, it's very odd, but somehow you kind of pull it all together and make it work. So I thought, you know, for sure that had to be somewhere on my top ten list, because it was just, I was just impressed the entire time with how catchy he made uncatchy music be. <laughs> I, I literally did not listen to that album. <laughs> Did not play it once. I I I guess I'm fitting into the same the category that you were talking about, which is you've heard the ugly organ, <laughs> and like I like that it, album, yeah. but it's not an album that I love. And my first introduction to them was is that EP called Bloom. Yeah, yeah, that one. Like someone passed that along to me, like probably I don't know two thousand. And said it sounded like at the drive-in, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, I'll listen to it." And I liked it, but they're a band that like I feel like I should like more, but I don't ever check out. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm an ugly organ person too. So uh, I actually, I don't remember when that album came out, but I definitely missed it. And then when I went to go look into it, I just didn't have the energy or desire. So I was caught up with other stuff. But I might go there. check it out now. Hell yeah, file them into the category of like bands from long ago that put out an album this year, like with Hope's Fall. A lot and of bands did. did. Yeah, I have, I have three or four bands on my list that I was not expecting anything from. Yeah, it's just yeah, it was weird to see them come out with something new because I don't follow them closely by any means, but it was just I knew they hadn't come out with anything in a while and. Anyway, yeah. Well, hell, yeah. Get Up Kids came back with an EP, and I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, that EP was great. I liked that one. Uh, my number ten, I had the double album from Between the Buried and Me, <sighs> Automata One and Two. They're the best metal band. Like <laughs> I, I have to say that to me, they're the best metal band. Like, um. They are so damn consistent and everything since like Alaska's really good. The stuff before that was like almost they were not figure they were still figuring out what they were doing. Everything that they've done since is just so freaking solid. And this album is like again, it's all over the place, but they've found a sound that is so perfect and they just keep evolving on it and I love it so much. Scott, Dude, I think just, you I think you got into it a bit. It I did. I was just going to say it it was at number 11 for me. Mm. Like I have my top 20 set up and we're only talking top 10, but yeah, it was just out of the top 10 for me. Like I loved like Alaska to me was by far their my favorite of theirs. I wouldn't say best, but my favorite. I once they did Colors and everything after that, they kind of lost me in the prog stuff and this album you had said they had came out and I was like, oh, "I'll check it out." It drew me in. I, I'm a big fan of this album. And, uh, yeah, I bought the vinyl and everything. It was great packaging, too. And, yeah, just a great, really, to me, a, I would say a return to form, but I'm sure their true fans, like yourself, would probably scoff at that comment. But it was just a great, great album by them. I was Not even a return to form. It was just more of, like, a good continuation, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great album. Something that I didn't discover until towards the end of the year, so I'll probably spend a lot of the next few months listening to that one, too. Did you get to it, Casey? I did not. I'm not the biggest metal fan in the world, so like my exposure to it's really limited. So it's like, and I always like, like guitar playing, and I can always respect it, but like I don't know, I just never... A lot of metal stuff I just never end up checking out or getting around to, so... Yeah. There you go. Well, maybe my number nine is something you got around to. The new Story So Far album. Ah, I did get around to that. I thought it was really, really good. And it's in my top 15, but... Ah! (laughs) It, it, it's like when you, when I, when you say like, if you looked at your list and you're like, there's no way I would have thought that being on my list. That's this album. Because I had a lot of stigma against this band, mostly because Parker ended up kind of being like kind of a dick. Um, and then this album came across because I saw people saying that it was like a good change for them. And I was like, okay, because their stuff sounded so samey throughout their career. And then you get to this album and they really branched out and explored some new stuff and for a pop punk record they really got into that new 
um, chilled out ambient world a little bit and really showed a good softer side. So I really enjoyed this album and it's so damn catchy too. Um, my thoughts on it were, I think the first three songs like are incredible and the back half of the album is totally fine, but I think it was overshadowed by the first three for me. Mm-hmm. But um, it's kind of a funny story. One of my friends like messaged me. He's like, Oh, you sure you like that band? Like didn't the singer like drop kick a girl in the face mm-hmm. <laughs> in the back. It was in the okay. back. And this, still. Is probably, this is probably a wildly inappropriate thought, but I thought, oh man, it's so quaint, a physical assault instead of a sexual one. Like, <laughs> like it just doesn't, in our, current, in our current climate with like Jesse Lacey and stuff, I was like, yeah, it seems like a, you know, just kicking someone in the back. That seems, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there in these days and all the shit that people are doing to each other. But well, I know it was during actually, a set and I think she was taking a selfie and a lot of people were like, it happens all the time, and I'm like, well, just because it happens all the time doesn't mean it should keep happening. I mean, if it was a guy that got kicked, I probably wouldn't have cared. So, like, I guess it shouldn't matter whether it's a guy or a girl. Like, either you're for violence or against it. So, I'm not saying I'm for violence. Just, you know, I just... Yeah, but punching a guy... Hot. A guy punching a guy in the face is different than a guy punching a girl in the face. It's yeah. just, like... I think I'm well, overall... On, on board with that, I think. Yeah. All right. I think it does make a difference that it is a girl. But I just thought, I just, the funny thought was like, oh, that seems quaint. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> How different. Of, different he approach. He didn't a potted plant. You know, he didn't force anybody to watch him do anything. Yeah. <laughs> all good. It was just kind of cra- a little bit of crowd control almost. Yeah. Anyway. But yes, you're number nine. Excellent choice. Did you check that one out, Scott? Is it in your top ten? If not, what's your number nine? <laughs> it, it was in my night. It was my nineteen, actually. Um, I I really liked the first couple songs, kind of like Casey said, like those. Um, I think it was like the title track, and then the this number two, right? And I think so. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was good. I I was a big fan of a couple albums ago. With the weird cover on it, I can't remember what it's called, but what that you don't really... see. What's that? What you don't see, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked that one, um, and this one was good. It, I really liked it, but I agree with your comment about like the first few songs. Like, really, you put that on, and I was like, oh hell yeah! Like, this is really, really good. And then it kind of it would fade as the album went on. But agree with Craig's initial um, statement that it, it was a interesting turn for them for sure something that like i would i would i would definitely put it on with uh the album that was supposed to be my number nine but i actually right before this moved to number 12 which was real friends Mm -hmm. so like when i was looking for a pop punk album for this year to listen to i would like switch between like real friends and uh story so far and a couple more but my number nine, I ended up moved, like I said, moved from 12 to nine. I switched it with Real Friends, which was uh, the Restorations album, LP 5000. I uh, know I talked to both of you about that one. And I don't think it really resonated with either one of you, but um, they're a band that I, another band I was aware of before, had checked out their older stuff, and it was it was cool. It's They're kind of in the Gaslight Anthem, Benzingers type Zane, uh, this album is a little bit more um, of a slower burn, 
and uh, they just, I don't know, it's a really good job. Like, they use a lot of, I, I think, what is a Telecaster and um, a Rhodes piano on a few of the songs, I think, from what I, uh, I don't know, that's what I hear. But anyway, just a solid, solid uh, album. There's only, I think, eight songs on it, so it's pretty short. But uh, just a, I don't know, really good album uh, that I just ended up listening to quite a bit, actually. I thought it was okay. I've tried to get into that band a whole lot, but it never really touched me in any sort of way in like a, I'm going to come back to this, but I actually made my long list. Oh, did it? They're definitely a band that... I would describe that like they're one of those bands where you go, what do they sound like? And then you end up naming like a handful of other bands that they, that they sound like um, versus anything that's like super original. But I just thought the eight songs on this album were pretty solid. So yeah, I just ended up listening to it a lot. I have the same sentiments as uh, Craig on that one. Just not, didn't really grab me. I tried probably like two or three times, and it was kind of like the Cloud Nothings just like had a bunch of other stuff that I was yeah. doing too. But didn't sound bad in any way. Um, my number nine was I realized that pretty much throughout the entire year I've been punishing this album for the fact that it's been that it came out like in early January. So it was like, oh, it'll be in my top ten till about July, and then I started discovering more new stuff and. As I was kind of going over these things that were, you know, in between 10 and 15, you know, I was like, I re-listened to every single album that's on my list, like all 25 albums, and I was like, man, this album is so good, it just gets forgotten because it came out so early, and that's Tiny Moving Parts Swell. Oh, yeah. It's it's so good. Uh, they keep on getting better and better. I, I feel like this album was even stronger than Celebrity. Uh, celebrate. Celebrate, sorry. I knew I messed that up. But Those are... <laughs> yeah, I am a closer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. in my top twenty. Yeah, I, I just again, you know, I used to play guitar in a band, and so his guitar playing is absolutely ridiculous. And I really admire the fact that they kind of went from this heavier sounding band into kind of more of a pop punk band, but kept all the super technical stuff and just good lyrics. I uh, love the layout, love the cover artwork. Um, all the pictures inside are freaking hilarious. Pictures inside were really good. Just felt like this is a band. Like if they, if they quit after this album, which I highly doubt they would, but I would be like completely satisfied with this being a swan song. Like that was really good. It's so good. It was one of those that I wrote off. I wrote it off a little bit just because I um, love celebrate so much. But I also recently went back and I was just like, hell yeah, I love this album. Yeah, it was fifteen for me. It was. I think it had it come out in the summertime I would have probably had it higher on my list it just like Casey said it just got forgotten about for me by the time this I'm putting the list together I'm just like eh I just didn't really end up listening to it as much as I would have wanted to despite it coming out at the very beginning of the year Mm. but agree with you Casey it was like I remember when it came out it was like oh this is like the first good album of the year for me and then what's I'll talk about it more later but there was a couple albums that just ended up, yeah, kind of putting it in the rearview mirror for me. One that came out in January for me that just missed my top ten uh, was Our Hometown Boys Typhoon. Um, 
The Typhoon album offerings is so good, and it came out in January, so I had so much time with it. One of the coolest vinyl pressing and jacket setups that I've ever seen, but it was also very good. All right, time for a quick music break. Uh, I'm going to bring you a couple songs from two of the albums we just discussed. I'm going to bring you a song called Caution from the new Tiny Moving Parts album and a song called Upside Down from the Story So Far's new album. Uh, Both are fantastic albums that I enjoyed and both guys uh, also enjoyed. So let's get to those songs right now. continue this uh with Svalbard's album it's hard to have hope um one of the albums that touched me a lot this year especially because of its political stuff and if it wasn't for Scott kind of kicking my ass to make sure I listened to it um I wouldn't have ended up teaching one of the songs in a feminist literature course this year (laughs) um and I ended up loving it so much and it's heavy it is violent and it is sending a lot of huge messages about sexual assault prevention and like um just a lot of problematic things going on in the world i like the song about um dogs (laughs) (laughs) for the sake of the breed yes um this album finished in my top 20 but uh i and i really liked it it was basically i know i probably shouldn't be like oh it's either this band or this band's gonna make it into my top 10 because they kind of remind me of each other a little bit but i ended up going with a different band in the top 20 just because i didn't I just didn't listen to it as much as I kind of wanted to, but it's it's really good. Like Scott recommended it to me, and 
it was, you know, it blew me away upon first listen, you know. And they're on the same label as the other band. Yeah. Well, how do you know? You don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know anything, Scott. <laughs> what was hey, your yeah. eight, if you think you're so smart? <laughs> yeah. um, be another girl singing in a heavy band. Like, <laughs> just, oh, I wonder. My number eight was uh, Can't Swim, This Too Won't Pass. Uh, which was a little surprising for me. Um, their first album, I can't think of what it's called, the green one with the girl on the front. Fail you again. Yeah, that one was good. Uh, I remember that one getting a lot of hype on Instagram. Uh, but this one I just like thought... top ten last year. Yeah, uh, this one for me was just a little bit more cohesive. Uh, I went and saw them open up for Trophy Eyes with uh, Microwave and... Hot Mulligan. I guess Seaway played too. I don't really care about oh, them, oh, but yeah, yeah Hot oh, Mulligan. That's right. That's it. right. That's right. Seaway. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's actually still fresh. It probably could finish. Could have finished higher if I had more time with it. But um, yeah, it's just. It's probably the one album on my list that I'm. I don't know. The, the style of it is not. I don't know. I don't know what it's I, rock, where I'm... man. I feel like it's rock, and it's got some yeah. post hardcore in it. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as a lot of other people did. Maybe mm-hmm. just because I love Fail You Again so much, and it felt like they were. It, this was released so soon after. But knowing mm-hmm. how album cycles work, they definitely wrote it a while ago. So right. um, uh, it finished. It's in my long list, but it didn't even touch my top twenty. Oh wow! Sadly. I yeah. really liked it. It's in my top twenty for sure. Like that's like one of those just tier two bands this year. Like it probably would have made it in a lot of other years in the top ten, but you know, not having enough time with yeah. it. And it's kind of the one where I thought that would be number ten, you know. But then I yeah. that's the one that I bumped out for Tiny Moving Parts just because I listened to them side by side, and I was like, Tiny Moving Parts is just a better record to me, like just slightly, you know. But they're both yeah. really, really good. It also felt like it was announced out of nowhere, honestly. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of promotion for it. I I think what probably pushed it into the top ten for me was just that I saw them. And it, I, I don't know. There's something for me about seeing a band and then kind of ha- listening to the record before and then seeing them live and seeing those songs kind of come to life and then going home and being like, oh, yeah, I loved when they did this part or that part or whatever. And it just kind of... I think pushed it over the edge for me to be in the top 10 for sure. Sweet. What'd you have KC at eight? Uh, number eight. This one was another, I hate how many of these are Scott recommendations. It really annoys me. <laughs> but this one I heard in the last two weeks of this year, and it probably would have been much higher had it come out or not had it come out, but had I heard of it earlier, but it's the Beth's future. Me hates me. It's an album done perfectly. Like I love, you know, I'm a sucker for a really good female vocal and it's just catchy as hell, but it still rocks. And like, it's just like, uh, it seems like there's a bunch of people who kind of, or they kind of cracked like the songwriting code. Like nothing they do is like, Oh, that's wildly unique and different. It's just done perfectly. Hmm. And it doesn't ever sound samey and not very repetitive. And it's got a bunch of other stuff. I like, like really good background vocals and, Sometimes it kind of crosses over and almost like kind of doo-woppy style stuff in the background of a rock song. And it's, I don't know. I I really like it. I've been listening to that album almost nonstop, which it I can tell. so much love. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really, really good. It's just 
you know, you can't fault a band for crafting a pop song and doing it ten times in a row. That was one I wish I would have heard in, like, June. I don't know when it came out, but I wish I would have heard it, like, in the summertime, because it would have been a huge summer album for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Casey, what did you have at seven? We'll just keep with you. All right, hold on. Oh, at seven, this is a band I'd never even heard of till my friend decided to say, like, hey, we should go see this show. And, like, I always feel bad because I have friends who have never heard of the bands I like come to shows with me, you know, and they do. And I'm usually like, oh, I don't want to go see anyone I don't know, you know, or whatever. And they just blew me away. And that's uh, The Dirty Nil with their album Master Volume. Um, yeah, it was just like a, you know, can- their Canadian three-piece, just straight rock and roll, really riffy. Like, I remember... I told Scott to check it out, and I remember comparing them to the Hives, and I was like, why do I get like a Hives vibe from them? Because it's not from their music. It's kind of more from the attitude. Like, mm. just kind of like, have that kind of like, kind of kitschy, like, over-the-top rock and roll attitude while it's still kind of winking at you. But the songs are super solid, you know? And I'll just say real quick, my favorite part about them was a story the guy told on stage, which was, and this is probably part of it, is I sincerely like them as human beings, kind of, in a way. But uh, he said he won a Juno Award, which is like a Canadian Grammy. And he said at the end of his speech, he said, weed rules. And the next day, his mom called him and said, hey, I don't think, you know, I think you should have used that platform to say something more important than weed rules. And he said, number one, mom, don't ever tell me how to rock and roll. And number two, when you win a Juno Award, you can say whatever you want. This song is called Always High. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like, they totally won me over that night, you know, and they just have really kind of bratty, like, you know, FU songs. And I don't know, it's it it cracks me up. Like, and they're I I think they're really good. So I saw them on a couple other lists this year, which kind of surprised me. So I was I was happy they're getting a little bit of love. I think they're pretty high on like the Onion AB Club list. So anyway, I honestly don't know if I knew that it came out and I feel bad for that because I saw them open for, I think it was against me and I really enjoyed them. And yeah, that guy was pretty, pretty great, pretty solid front man. But I honestly don't think I knew that that came out. Yeah, you had recommended it to me. And I think the mistake you made was saying the hives, which (laughs) I really like the hives. And so I was expecting that, and then when it wasn't that, it was just kind of like, oh. But I think they would have been one of those bands, like I was describing earlier, if I had been at the show, I probably would have liked it a little bit more and under gotten what they were trying to do a little bit more. Because when you're listening to the songs, whether on record or Spotify or whatever, you, I have, I'm have i not seeing them, I'm not seeing the attitude, you're just listening to songs you know yes. so it was i think i missed out on the some of the important factors of what made them great to you so yeah. oh absolutely well scott what do you have at number seven this one is probably the weirdest one for me um although once again the uh, orange county uh comes out i was a big ska fan back in the 90s um and uh this is the first ska i would say not only band but album that i've really liked that's been new in a really really long time um the interrupters fight the good fight um i've known of them for a few years now 
um, you know, they're obviously an epitaph or one of the epitaph like sub labels, but um, great album, great band. I just, I think this album was the first one that I had listened to where I thought, okay, they finally like they've dialed it in. They've been able to like really hone their sound and make just an album full of great songs. It wasn't anything that blew me away. It was just kind of an album that I found myself going back to over and over and over. Like when I would um, ride around with my, I guess I hate saying the word, but fiance in the car, she really likes stuff with horns in it. And like, we're both big clash fans and not that the interrupters sound like the clash or anything, but it's, it's a similar sound. So I'd play them a lot when we would drive, um, you know, around and, uh, yeah, just something that slowly grew on me before I knew it. I was like, I really, really like this album and it's, yeah, I think number seven on my list. It's definitely something that I would all listen to for a while. And, uh, yeah, it's a great, solid album. I didn't hear it. I'm not a huge ska person, but I did have a ska album on my long list, and it's Just Friends is Nothing But Love, and it is one of the most fun records I've heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. I really liked, I liked the Interrupters album a lot. That's definitely in my top 20. Like It's it's probably more like 20, 25-ish, but I never expected to like another ska album again in my life, and that was, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's really good. It sounds like a more ska female-fronted rancid, like, you know? Yeah, and, uh, that's uh, what's his name, uh, Tim Ar- Tim Armstrong. He he produced it, so of course he's going to have his fingerprints on it. But um, it really, I think Casey, you were the one that said it. Like you actually compared it more to Op Ivy, and I was like, that kind of like that comparison really rung with me. I thought it, I know Op Ivy and Rancid are really similar, but Op Ivy I always kind of considered more of a ska band than Rancid. Yeah. And I, to me, it's, it sounded almost like Op Ivy with. Uh, the girl from uh, Brody from uh, what's their that band? Uh, uh, the Distillers. Keep... <laughs> distillers. Yes, I wanted to say Dillinger. Yeah, Distillers. It, to me, it sounds like her fronting like Op Ivy or something. I don't know. I, it just it's it's solid, and also the singer's a total babe. So if that helps, <laughs> but there you go. Speaking of another total babe, yeah. my number seven <laughs> is Lucy Dacus with Historian. Uh, seeing her live is what made it for me. And she is fantastic, has a huge voice, is a lovely human being, and had that album with Julian and Phoebe Bridgers, Boy Genius, which, spoiler alert, was my number one EP of the year. Um, which we'll be uh, posting shortly. This is being taped very early. Um, and I just loved Lu- I love Lucy's voice. It's a very um, big indie sound uh, with a lot of like uh, throwback vibes because her voice is just like very almost old school, very genuine voice. I like her a lot. Anyone? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I I actually gave that one a listen um, toward you know the last I guess within the last few weeks. Uh, I liked what I heard, but I didn't listen to it enough to have a super strong opinion on it. Cool. I didn't hear it. Um, I've kind of I Dan, I haven't even checked out Boy Genius yet. Oh, I, just, I know. It's so good. I know. 
Yeah, that is a great album. That's kind of what led me to listen to her. Obviously, well, I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people. I think she was kind of the more unknown of the three. But um, yeah, it, it the Boy Genius album is great. Uh, it didn't make my ten, but it's actually I don't even know if it if you guys were doing EPs or what. But yeah, it's a great it's a great album. Well, I'll move a, I'll move us along to number six because I don't know what your opinions are going to be on this. And frankly, I hold this album as a perfect piece of music this year, and people are going to hate me for it. But Beer Bongs and Bentleys by Post Malone was so good. <laughs> I think I'm getting the silent treatment for the rest of this. <laughs> I tried to turn my video on for that. I'm sorry. He sucks. I don't like him <laughs> at all. Like, I can get beyond <laughs> him as have, a person. We, typ- <laughs> we typically have a, a feeling of inclusion in our group, but I do not like him at all. There's two things I like about Post Malone. I like his always tired tattoo on his face. I think that's funny. <laughs> it's funny for me because I get to laugh at it. And two, uh, I did think it was interesting, like, Vice News did a a little article on how he's kind of figured out and maybe he's not the first one, but he's the most successful at it, how to like write a song for streaming services, like something that will hook you in the first 30 seconds rather than kind of waiting for the hook. Like I don't, they have this whole big thing. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. It's not, his music is not good, but it was interesting to me that he did that. But <laughs> I won't say, I just don't like that music at all. I don't get it. I didn't I'll... expect to like it. I didn't expect it. And we can move on. I just wanted to throw it out there. It is my number six, though. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry to people that do like him. And don't let me tell you what to listen to at all. But uh, well, yeah. Then tell I, them what your number six is. My number six, I broke the rules a little bit and put in an EP. But it's six songs. And I think the vinyl is seven, so I'm counting it. To me, this was the divider. Like, six and six to one for me were, like, by far my favorite albums of the year. It was mm-hmm. not even a question of, like, I, I did not move anything around. Like, they were far and away way better than everything else on my list, in my opinion. Uh, but the Fever 333 made in America. Hmm. <clears throat> I listened to the shit out of this album. Um, I was a big Let Live fan, uh, at least their first two albums. I didn't really care for the last one. Um, And was excited for this one. And it has the dude from The Chariot playing guitar. And I love the... I mean, Craig, you know, I'm not like the most political guy as far as like... um, social justice yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and and that, i mean I, I i support it but i'm not it's not like my thing yeah but i loved their passion i loved the message i loved like he that guy jason uh, butler is seems like one of the most nicest guys ever and i've seen videos of him confront people at shows and it was like nothing but love and uh, compassion for people even if they disagree with him and uh just that album or that EP just I don't know if we're yeah is it fucking rips like I just loved I loved how it was kind of Rage Against the Machine but more punk and it had a lot of just different styles in it I know you're not a huge fan of his uh of his vocal style but like that album I'm so stoked for the new one that comes out in a couple months 
um because that ep to me was by far and away my favorite ep and it if it had been a full album it probably would have been higher on my list because it was just awesome yeah huge fan of that album i liked it at the gym it was good for the gym but like you said like his voice kind of rubs me the wrong way and it kind of always (laughs) has but their politics make me so happy i love to see the things that they do for the scene and they have amazing like publicists and promoters because they get on like every festival now it's huge. And their it's marketing awesome. is great, too. Like, yeah, the, the way they market huge. themselves as a band, like, they always say, like, they don't play shows. They, like, have events and or demonstrations, I think is what they call it. Yeah. It's just great marketing, great branding. But it, most importantly, the music, to me, holds up. And it's something that, like, I could see breaking into the mainstream. I think they're on Roadrunner. Um, and I could see if there's any semblance left of a of a desire to see or something like that by the uh by the mainstream i could see them poking through and being getting some radio play because they're just super talented uh no thoughts on it i didn't know it came out but i just added it to my list of things to listen to so what'd you have it what'd you have at six then i had rollo tomasi uh time will die and love will bury it uh which is the one that probably replaced Svalbard for the female-fronted heavy music. But, I don't know, I just really like... They kind of found, like, the perfect medium of, like, beauty and brutality. Like, I thought, like, the second song is, like, this really poppy, like, sounds like if Evanescence was good, they would have written this song. Um, (laughs) How dare you. Huh? How dare you. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you love that band. I know you carry you have that tattoo on your chest of Amy. What's her name? On my lower back. <laughs> on your lower back. <laughs> uh, but then, like, and then they just out of nowhere go into like you know feels like black metal influenced heavy guitar music, and it's I thought it was really good. And she's got a brutal scream, and I went and saw them live, and they pulled. I saw them in a venue with not great sound, so I was a little disappointed. But like they played really well, and you know they were they were good, and they're they're British, so. The name sounded better when they said it because, like, I was like, Rolo Tomasi is kind of a weird name. And then they were like, well, Rolo Tomasi. I was like, oh, it sounds cooler in your accent. That was in, uh, let me let me see. It is in my top 20, and it is so damn good from beginning to end. So many different sounds, so much chaos. And uh, they, they put out some of the best vinyl presses for that, too. I got, like, a mutant pressing that is, it looks disgusting, and I love it. I think I was the opposite of Casey on that one. It was, uh, to me, I got into Svalbard, and I really listened to, to that album a lot. And then when I heard Rolo Tomasi, I think, Casey, I was the one to tell you about Rolo Tomasi as well, because I was just looking on Holy Roar had a bunch of new stuff that came out this year that was all really good, and most of it didn't make my list, but it was all really good. But I think when I heard Rolo Tomasi, it was like, oh, this is really good, but I ended up listening to Svalbard more. And not that they're exactly the same they're not but the same kind of reasoning that you used for being more into Rolo Tomasi was kind of why I, they didn't really catch on with me because I was so, and, yeah. I, I will say I know definitively that I found out about that band on some list of hardcore albums that you haven't like heard of or like that or under the radar this year uh, okay did not tell me about it because you had to tell me about a bunch of stuff I don't want to give you any extra credit <laughs> <laughs> my bad Okay, another music break coming at you. We're going to hear three songs this time. 
Uh, I'm going to play a song from the new Rolo Tomasi album. It's called Aftermath. I'm going to spare you from the heavy side of the album and give you the bright, positive song that starts off the album. That is a quite misnomer for the rest of the album, but you can definitely check out the rest if you want. It's an incredible album. The song is called Aftermath. And then I'll play you the, the first song on the new Can't Swim record. The song is called What Have We Done? And then I'm going to play you a song from Turnstile. It's called High Pressure. These are all three great songs, and I hope you enjoy them. Again, in the show notes, you can get all these songs and a list of all the records that we have talked about in this episode. Uh, I had a band that both of you recommended on the thread. I don't know. You guys can fight it out as to who was doing what, but Spanish love songs, uh, Schmaltz, 
absolutely fantastic record. I honestly, if you would ask me in July, I would have said that was my number one. Um, I listened to it a ton. I probably listened to it on repeat. It's kind of funny. Like, repeat five times while I was cleaning my dad's barn. I was literally <laughs> on top of the tractor with a power washer standing on a little platform 25 feet up, just having that thing on repeat. And, like, I was, it was really good. I still put it in, still really enjoy it. Saw them live. They were wonderful. It's um, incredible. Yeah. I love it. It's great. You're going to hear about it in a few minutes from me, but just great kind of pop punk with a lot of brashness, a lot of relatable lyrics. Dylan is one of my favorite people. We had them stay with us for a couple of nights when they came through, and we just became really good friends with them. And Katie's actually going to be crashing with them next week because <laughs> they so, fly to L.A. <laughs> so question, do you think that his lip was quivering the entire time he sung on that album or just like <laughs> half the time or what? I, Seeing them live, it does quiver. I see the Shocker. thing that I don't like about it, Scott, is the thing that I do like about it. Like his, the emotion is so raw that it yes. works. Like it shouldn't work, but it does. Have either of you seen them live? Yes. Oh, dude, it's a fucking gig. It's so good. Like Buffalo, Buffalo um, was really good, and Bellyache? then Oh, well, oh. what's the first songs called? The first uh, song, Una Nuevo, or something like that. No, sorry, the like. Or maybe it's the number two song. Yeah, it's it is. Yeah. yeah, that song's really good. The, that song in Buffalo, Buffalo, I really liked. But yeah, the uh, what is that? Is it vibrato or whatever it is staccato? in his voice? No. Staccato, tremolo, tremolo, tremolo. Whatever it is, I it, it was difficult for me to listen to because it was just it sounded like I, I'm sure he's a nice guy and I'm not meaning to shit on him, but it just sounded like he was trying a little too hard. That's my opinion. Watch it. Uh, I'm then, sorry. Then what did you enjoy at number five, Scott? Do you like these <laughs> transitions band, I'm finding? You're, you're I, really good at this. I am. Another band that blew me away live, uh, this band and my number four band tied for the most amazing live shows that I saw uh, in 2018. But number five, Turnstile, Time and Space. Uh, I actually bought that record with you, Craig, when I yep. was up in uh, Boston. We drove up to Rhode Island and went to, what's that called? Moose we Knuckle? We drove to New Hampshire. Oh, that's right. Bull New Moose. Hampshire. Bull Moose. Moose, moose Knuckle. <laughs> but yeah, dude, this album is fantastic. Uh, one of the best hard, like straight up, like hardcore albums that I've heard in a really long time. It's so They're, good. Yeah. Their live show just fucking blew me away, man. Like I took a friend who had never been to a hardcore show ever, probably never even been to a punk show. And I think he would left pretty wide eyed, but um, that's a show to me. I, I left that show thinking, Oh, this is like the kids that are at this show, like the 16 year old kids at the show are going to talk about this show like 10 to 15 years later the same way that we talked about seeing, you know, like some like Snapcase or some of the like legendary hardcore bands from the Blood 90s. Brothers it, for me. <laughs> it, it was just amazing. I, I was blown away. Like that band has so much energy and um, charisma on stage. It's just, it blew me away. Anyway, the album is fantastic. I love how. Um, Kind of like Touche Amore, where they don't really have, like, they don't really follow the verse-chorus, verse-chorus, bridge-type song structure. Um, I love that about them. I 
yeah. If not for some amazing albums, one through four, it would have been higher for me because <clears throat> it was, uh, I think it was like my one or two for most of the year until a couple albums just really ended up separating themselves. So, yeah. What about you, Casey? Um, for a turnstile, uh, they're a band that I don't, I don't understand the hype. But I was never into that style of hardcore. And so I'm sure they're good at what they do. I'm sure seeing them live would probably really help, but their tour is skipping Portland, so I'm not... I sadly don't get to see them open up for one of my favorite bands every time I die. But yeah. anyways, what did you already say your number five? Chris? I haven't, and it's, a, it's an album that you both latched onto, I believe, pretty quickly, and it had to grow on me. And then it became an album that I kept considering my number one album for most of the year uh, after it came out. But it became my summer album, and then I just fucking went with it. Culture Abuse is Baydream. Holy shit, I didn't know that I needed Beach Boys uh, punk, and I got it, and I love it so much. And I did not at first just because I loved Peach, I loved the aggression of Peach, but then also seeing them play these songs live in a tiny-ass VFW hall, like, in the middle of October where I was wearing running shorts in, like, 40-degree weather, sweating my ass off was amazing. They put on one of the best sets absolutely love Baydream. It's 100% Uh, for folks who just want like big fun kind of poppy punk stuff that uh, also created my favorite music moment of the year was just saying, come on Judy. And I I know that we talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was the hardest album to leave off my top 10. Oh, I had probably five albums that I would say like are my number eleven, like that Svalbard, a couple of like Snail Mail, like I just had to leave them off because I was like I, I lo- I really did. Yeah, any other year it probably would have been you know six or seven or five, like but it was just I don't know. It I totally resonated with me. I totally agree with everything you said. It's it's great. M- more on that later. Hell yeah. Okay. And speaking of more on that later, I can now talk about my number four, which was Schmaltz by Spanish Love Songs. And we we talked about it a little bit already, so I won't dwell too much on it. But honestly, getting to hear a line about um, wanting to find a haircut that does it hasn't been co-opted by Nazis resonated with me a lot because it made me grow out my hair. <laughs> And I was like, God damn it, I hate those fucking alt-right guys that ruined haircuts. But I know that Katie doesn't latch on to a lot of new music, and when they were just fucking with it all year, I knew that we had found something that like really resonated, and yeah, I just absolutely love it. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that, because I feel the same way, and I'll talk more about it later, but yeah. Oh, like shit. Well, well, then what do you have right now? <laughs> number four for me is an album that i know you both loved um and maybe we'll talk about later but uh foxing near my god um that album like that band was the other band with turnstile where their live performance just blew me away like watching them perform was like watching it's like watching brand new on the uh devil and god tour or watching thrice on a visu tour where you're like oh they've arrived like this is this is a band that has arrived and is going to do big things like it was amazing yeah and the album is an amalgam of a million different genres and uh, there are a couple weak spots on it that i 
I thought if they had either removed the song altogether all or just had a better song or improved upon the song, I don't know, it would have been higher for me. But um, for the most part, I mean, it was just a fantastic album. And they did everything to pull it off live. And just, it was great. Great album. I'll talk about it later. I have exactly zero thoughts on it right now. <laughs> then what do you have some thoughts on right now? Oh, so I, I think it's probably, I know, Craig, you didn't like this one all that much. You just don't get it. Uh, or you said you don't get it. Uh, Scott, I think you liked it, but not all that much. But Hope's Fall Arbiter was my number four. Uh, I've, it's the best comeback record I've ever heard, I think, for a band that hasn't put out music. In, wow. You know, I, for a band that hasn't, maybe, has, maybe that's hyperbole, but they haven't put out music like you know in quite a while and this new lineup is just like they came out with an album that sounds like every era of hope's fall because they've had a lot of member changes and a lot of eras and like they really doubled down on the super like spacey lyrics like just all their lyrics are literally about things in space (laughs) and just absolutely loved it you know i love uh uh, Purge Before You Binge is kind of like one of the big guys in the vinyl community here. So just to see him put something out, I was really scared it was going to be horrible. And so that's part of it. it was, I had super low expectations because usually a band cannot come out, you know, they do what Refuse did, and I did not like the new Refused album at all. You know, like, Awful. I just think, like, you can't capture the magic. And I think they captured the magic and maybe even put up, if I had to listen to them side by side with no nostalgia, probably their best record. So I have no nostalgia for that band, and that is kind of why I don't get it. But there was some good stuff on it. Like, I listened to it one day when I was doing some work outside, and honestly wasn't terrible. But I, I don't have that nostalgia with it, as a lot of people yeah. do. I'm definitely halfway between both of you. Um, Casey, I've told you this before, that like they were one of those bands back when you had to actually buy music to listen to it, that I just never got around to buying. Like, I would see their name everywhere, and they just were not a band that I'd ever really checked out until after they had already broken up. Um, But I really liked their first three albums, and or I think it's three. Maybe they have, like, an earlier one that's before Satellite Years. But, yeah, it was a good record. It made my top 20. I really liked it, but it just I don't think I had the nostalgia for them as you did, so it probably would have been higher on my list if I did, but um, it was, yeah, it was solid for sure. Well, did you buy your number three album by chance? I did buy my number three album. Cool, then, (laughs) because we buy music still, and uh, what did you have at number three? My number three was definitely one that I suggested to you guys no less than ten times, and it was (laughs) just not received well at all. (laughs) And I think... I've run into a couple people on Instagram that really liked this record, but for the most part, I've seen a lot of people who are just like, I don't get it, I don't understand what's so great about it, but it was just solid for me, which is a Teenage Wrist, Chrome Neon Jesus. And uh, I just... Man, that album blew me away. Uh, I, I the single um, was um, shoot. Now it's escaping me. Um, Swallow, and uh, that song is just absolutely amazing. I ended up seeing them at a really small show, and they kind of blew me away with their performance. And then I saw them open up for Thrice in the Bronx later on in the year, and it was that was not nearly as good. I think um, with the bigger show. 
maybe because the crowd wasn't super into it. But um, yeah, that album's really, really good. It just kind of stuck with me from the beginning of the year. I think it came out like March or April, and then I just listen. I probably listened to that album more than any album on my on my list, and it just I don't know. It's it's nothing great. I guess it has a little bit of a shoegazy type influence, but for the most part, it's just kind of Foo Fighters rock with you know solid riffs, solid vocals. Like it doesn't really do many twists or turns or anything, but just a really good album, good rock album. I just yeah, like it. Uh, Skyler, I'll give it up to you, man. They did like hands down put out the most boring generic record I've ever heard, and it's kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, to seriously, it's it's like just as it's just as hard to be bad as good, you know. Like, so I get your amazement with them. No, I mean, they're <laughs> in all seriousness. Like, yes, it was just it was a little generic for me. Like, and I totally get how sometimes a record comes along where you're like, I know this. And this probably isn't what you had, Scott, but it's just like for me. Sometimes it's like I know this isn't anything great or special, but I really it resonates with me right now, and so. That's what yeah. I kind of always figured was happening with you because you realize it's not like super original music, but sure. for some reason, you know, it just hits you and like sometimes stuff hits you and you don't know why. Well, I put it against Foxing, like ahead of Foxing, and fully understanding that the Foxing album is probably better than that album. But I just, I don't know. I listened to the shit out of it and. Okay, yeah, now I just realized that you me. put it ahead of Foxing and I've lost all respect for you. <laughs> Hell just yeah. Kidding. Yeah, well, no, what, I just Casey. Just solid. Oh, sorry, Scott. It was just solid. Is that what yeah. you're saying? It's fine. Casey, yeah, no, what fine. resonated with you at three though? Uh this one I haven't heard from any of you guys, so I feel like it might all be in your number three, and that would be Trophy Eyes, the American Dream. Uh my It was solid... my eleven, sorry. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man. Alright, so this album was in my number two up until a week ago when I just finally realized I was like, it's still a top tier album, but like I just figured my number two is just, I listened to it a little bit more and even enjoyed it a little bit more. Uh, but anyways, I don't know. I never expected, I didn't particularly love trophy eyes earlier stuff. Like I thought chemical miracle was a good album. I was happy. I saw them live and bought it, but it's kind of like, I listened to it for a while and then didn't really come back to it except for like one or two songs that are on a running playlist that I have. Um, but this one, they just, like, they pulled out all the stops. They wrote, like, one of the catchiest albums ever. It's totally reliant on their background vocals and their gang vocals, and I absolutely love gang vocals. So, I mean, it just, like, hit home. Like, the lyrics are also super, super good. Like, because in an album that this catchy, usually you get a lot of fluff in the lyrical form, but they're all super, super heavy. And I think what ended up knocking it down to number three out of the number two spot, too many interludes was my only complaint about the record. There, there was... A couple moments where I was just like, I'm fine with having one, maybe two, like, little interlude tracks. But I was like, this is, I forgot how long the album is in total, maybe 11 songs. I was, this is, like, eight really good songs and then, like, three interludes. So I get why they did it, but at the same, that's what knocked it. That's what swapped it with my number two is just that, like, a couple little weak moments in it. More on that later for me. But, yes, it was a good <laughs> album. <laughs> uh, the reason it just missed mine is it, it just... It held up, but not as much. And I think the interludes also knocked it for me. But it is so big. It was also a big summer album for me. It reminded me a lot. There's actually legitimately a song that sounds like a 30 Seconds to Mars song. And I love that. You all should know that about me by now. One, but, one song? 
No, okay, most I feel of like it. That whole album. It's like this like is war. It sounds like this is war. Better. Uh, yeah, <laughs> honestly, I'll, I'll admit that it sounds like where th- Thirty Seconds to March should have gone after right. this is war. Um, but since you're going to talk about it later, I'll get to my three. Another hometown uh, act, Haley Hendrix with "I Need to Start a Garden." Uh, probably my most listened to album of the year because I listen to it almost every single day for like three months, and it is just fantastic folk wholesome music that um i tried to tell everyone about it because i just think it's so beautiful and wonderful and i have so much love for her and i got to see her in a room that had maybe 80 people in it and it was such a wonderful experience so So, can you answer this for me i think i've seen her live is she talking hometown boston or hometown portland portland okay then yes she opened up for uh julian baker i'm pretty sure Yep. Okay. So yeah, I saw her. That's the only time I ever heard her. I wasn't super wild, but I don't listen to a ton of folk. That's fine. But she wasn't bad. Okay, we got three songs coming at you right now. They are three powerhouse hits from this year. Three personal favorites from albums that we all three really enjoyed. The first one is going to be Bellyache from Spanish Love Songs. We've shared them in the past. They're fantastic. Uh, Also, Calm E by uh, Culture Abuse. An incredible song that'll definitely get stuck in your head. And another song that'll get stuck in your head. All three of these are going to get stuck in your head. Friday Forever by Trophy Eyes. So... Here we go. Cause I don't think I can fix this if I'm not gone. And there's no drug in the world that could possibly wash this off. Can't even go down to river. Sick my fucking head in it. I was the world. Away 
Wowed by though for number two there, Casey. Okay, no one, no one is more surprised than me by this choice. This is a band that I thought ten years ago I was like, "Seven again. What? Seven Dust. Scott, spoiler alert. <laughs> a band that I never thought I would like anything from ever again. And truth be told, I only ever really liked their first album. Every album, like the two albums, their three albums came since then were Laws of Diminishing Returns. Only liked a couple songs. Uh, but this album, I will say, is probably, in my opinion, their best record, even though it's not my favorite record. I still, you know, have nostalgia for the first one. It's Coheed, The Unheavenly Creatures. Wow. I, Scott's hanging his head. It's so good. They went, they took everything that they ever did that was good and made it catchier and bigger. And there's like 15, like the reason I gave it the edge on a bunch of stuff is there's like 16 tracks on the songs and like 13 of them are some of the best songs I've ever heard them write. So it's really good. I it resonated with me, and like I said, I did not expect it. Nothing that they have done has resonated with me since. Same. You know, in the last ten years, and I thought this was like I could care less about the story or the lyrics, but I don't know why I listened to the crap out of this record. Like Scott's shaking his head, but I loved it. <laughs> I think this is the album that just I think made me realize that I just never really liked them to begin with. Like, okay, I, the second album and the third album were okay, and I I like songs. Like, Favor yeah. House Atlantic is great. Ten Speed is great. Like, they have a handful of really great songs, and then they have everything else that they've done, and it's just I don't know. Like, I. You and Brennan were really into this, our other friend who's not on the podcast, but we talked about this. It's like you guys were really high on it, and I just, I think for me it was, I listened to it, I tried to get into it, it I think I'm just not a fan of them. See, I would agree with you on like your assessment. I only ever really liked a couple songs, save the first album. The first album, I like every song and still do, mm-hmm. uh, but... Yeah, since then, like two or three songs, you know, from each one. And so, and nothing on the Afterman ones, nothing on Year of Black Rainbow. I kind of heard their album. Very before, bad but, albums. Yeah, it's, it's they're bad. Uh, they're just straight prog, which I don't like. And this one has like the prog essence, but they like, they just decided to write like basically an arena record. Like it is like the choruses yeah. and the huge. There was one that sounded like a Scorpion song to me. I was like, you going to rock me like a hurricane or what? Like, it's just, it was too much for me. Yeah, not into it. 
But it was my number two, and I, I, like I said, no one, no one more surprised than me at how much I love that record. Well, Scott, what were you into at number two then? <laughs> so speaking of number two, Scott. <laughs> Go fuck himself. Um, <laughs> you can edit, edit that out. No, I'm leaving uh, it in. My number two was one that was mentioned earlier by Casey, which uh, was my oh no, sorry, by Craig. The summer album of 2018 for me, Culture Abuse, Daydream. Uh, this album was like neck and neck for number one with me. Uh, yes, the Hey Judy part. <laughs> So my fiance's mother's name is Judy, and she lives really close to us, so we spend a lot of time over her place. And, uh, it, of course, that part. I always call her Judy, and I've gotten my fiance to start calling her Judy as well, And uh, which is funny that she doesn't call her mom mom to me. She calls her Judy. But anyway, that album is fantastic. I listened to the shit out of it all, um, all summer long. It came out... Uh, when I happened to be in California for like, I think it was like a week, and uh, I was—I remember driving around. My f- um, best friend's parents let me drive their old like Beater Saturn, and there was like—I think there was a radio in it, but I hate listening to the radio, so I just would listen to my headphones with that album on, like repeat the entire week that I was there. Anytime that I was driving, and uh, yeah, just a fantastic album. Every song is good. Uh, I really liked Peach, and I really liked the um, EP that they did on uh, 6131 before Peach. Uh, great band. And uh, I, they actually opened up for Turnstile when I saw them, but they yeah. didn't. the only new song they played was um, uh, Call Me. and Because uh, it was right before the album came out. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they the new album hadn't come out yet, so they didn't play any. And only that song was the new one that they played. But anyway, just a just a great album. Uh, I just yeah, my oh, what I was going to touch on earlier was when you said that Katie really liked. Um, I can't remember what album you were saying, but yeah, like uh, Megan was really huge into this album too, and so I don't know. Driving around, like she's pretty cool with me listening to whatever I want to, but of course I was like playing stuff that she likes too. So the interrupters, but even more so this one was like one of the ones that we jammed to a lot this year. So um like I'd put it on just be like culture abuse again. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Katie would be the same, but then we'd rock out. I'm so bummed that I don't get to listen like I listen to music with Kelly, but I'm jealous of you guys. Your partners like some of the same stuff. Like me and Kelly we have some crossover and she tolerates a lot of stuff, but she is not into anything in my top 20 like not genuinely into it <laughs> yeah well something something i was into this year at number two that i rocked out to and i did not expect to like as much as i did but i shouldn't be surprised it was me without use untitled album i love that band they're probably my favorite band of all time probably my most influential band of all time i got another me without you inspired tattoo this year um, so they brought back the aggression that they left four albums ago <laughs> and it is an angry album. It is a political album. It is just absolutely full of a lot of 
brilliant songs that bring together honestly i think a lot of the younger bands that they've been touring with um they've taken a lot of those sounds like there's a couple songs that sound like a world is a beautiful place song which is weird to me but it's so good and they picked up a lot of the angrier uh sounds and uh just absolutely brilliant band for me yeah Uh, I, i like them uh they're Catch for uh, Catch for Me the Foxes album is my favorite. Um, brother is a brother sister yep. is the one after that one. I saw them on that tour with Brand New and Thrice, and they were good. Um, but they're just a band that like I never really they're out there. They're hitting. Yeah, I never really caught on with them. Like I like them okay, but every time they release an album, I try to get into it, and I'm like, not into it, not into it, not into I was, it. I was the exact same way. Like it's a band that I want to like. But I just I never gotten into it. It never caught me. I think you kind of has to get. I think getting into yeah. the late isn't an option. It's like you need to either have been on board the whole time, or you know, like you'll get it right away. If you don't, it doesn't catch you early. It's not going to catch you. So you know, nothing but respect for that band. Like everything, yeah. they're ridiculously talented, and you know, I, I they deserve everything that they all the accolades they get. But I just never got into it. Well, for me, I, oh sorry. I was just say for me, file them uh, in the same category as the Deer Hunter, Cursive, like other bands like that. Where I'm like, I should be into this band, and I've tried listening to them, and I've owned records by them or CDs or whatever, but I just don't like them as much as I feel like I should. Well, and the Deer Hunter is one of those uh, bands where I literally only like the Color Spectrum and Migrant. But that's same that's all I had left. I sold all my other vinyl. Those are the only two that I have left from the Deer Hunter. Yeah. Great. Well, um, we're getting to our number ones. And I think Casey and I might have the same one. But I'm going to let Casey share what his number one is. Holy well, crap. Real quick, real quick. I'll run through. Why don't I run through my number one since it's already been said? Oh, cool. Go ahead. Guys, and then you guys can talk about your number one. Which has also already been said. Which has also <laughs> already been said. <laughs> okay. No, go well, ahead. No, go okay. ahead, because we'll end on ours. <laughs> okay. My number one was uh, Trophy Eyes, American Dream. Uh, just, I didn't expect it to be number one. I expected it to be high on my list, but it was just, for me, the album that I kept going back to for the last six months, just over and over and over and over and over again. Like, I don't know, I said Teenage Wrist is probably the most listened to, but maybe Trophy Eyes, I'd have to check. I can't remember what was. I think Teenage Wrist was a little bit higher just because probably the it came out earlier in the year. But this album was amazing. I, along with what Casey said, like I liked Chemical Miracle, and it's a okay, it's a good album. But this one to me just blows it away. The songs, the the songwriting, the lyrics, everything about it. Their live show was really good. It wasn't phenomenal. Um, I wish they had had a second guitar player with them which they have a second guitar player, but he wasn't there for some reason, and they didn't address it to the crowd for some reason. But um, just a great record. Um, Super catchy. Tons of sing-alongs. And this was one of the other ones I feel like that Megan really liked as well, so I would listen to it a lot. And, uh, yeah, just so many sing-along parts. It it was... I think the way I described it was, like, it made me want to be, like, in my 20s again and like living in Southern California and just like singing with like not a care in the world driving down PCH or something like that. Like it was just 
such a fun album. Um, and I loved it so much that it made me want to go and check out like 30 seconds to Mars. This is war. It made me want to revisit angels and airwaves. Like, cause when people would ask me, what does it sound like? I would always name drop those two bands. Like it kind of sounds like those two, but Spacey. I don't really love either of those two bands. Yeah. But then I went back and listened to it. And I'm like, I think because I love this album, it made me really appreciate this is war more. Mm-hmm. And it made me really like angels and airwaves more as well. But Dude, I loved riding my bike to that album. I loved riding around on it because it just felt so fun. Yeah. Um, and I could just, like, coast around a little bit. I'm having mm-hmm. a lot of, like, nice nostalgia for the summer getting to listen to that one. Um, well, Casey, do you want to get us started? <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, last thing on Trophy Eyes. I was oh. sad. I actually, I actually had to miss their set the other night, which I was a little bummed about, but... Since Scott said it was just okay, I didn't feel too bad. Had a Christmas party to go to. But, um, uh, yeah. And I also, one of my wife's favorite things to yell this year is some of my friends do drugs, which isn't even the lyric. But yeah. she, still, she still yells it out quite a bit. Like, <laughs> Megan was messing up, too. She she loved yelling that line, too. She's like, I love that song. <laughs> Katie loves how often the there's, like, a couple references to how, like, they so like selling sad songs and don't let sad songs like get to you yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's just a stellar album. Like it could have easily been number one had it. I don't know. Anyway, my number one uh, wasn't even really all that close. Was Foxing? Near my God. Like, and again, another album. Like I saw Foxing live with Gates, um, and I'd never heard them before. And it was on their first album, and I was like huh, they're they're really, really good. And then I went and listened to their first album. I was like, this album is horrible. I recognize all these songs, but it's recorded so badly. And Ouch. Is that good? I think it's like, really good. Sorry. No, no. well, I mean, seeing the songs live and with their incredible, probably one of the better live bands I've ever seen. Them I and Every Time I Die are probably the two best live bands I've ever seen. But, um, yeah, I just, the songs did not capture what they did live. And so I was very let down by that. You know, when you listen to the actual recording, I would love for them to re-record their first album. Um, but then the second album was kind of a little bit boring to me. It still came off well live, yeah. But it was just mm-hmm. like it was a little slow and a little ambient, and I was kind of like really hesitant coming it's into also this top one. Top heavy. Like, yeah, I I was so hesitant coming into this one that I was like, I was like, I don't even. I think I'm done with boxing. Is basically what I said to myself. Yeah. And then Scott, I even listened to the first half of their first single, and I was like, uh. I don't know, which is now one of my favorite songs. But then Scott was like, that's really good. And I listened to it again. I was like, oh, shit, that is good. And I listened to, you know, when Nearer My God came out, and he did that in, like, those five languages. I was like, okay, this has the potential to be a really cool album. And then when they released it, I like it front to back. The only yep. song I would take out, and obviously there are stronger, like, I know Scott's going to say it's it's stronger at the beginning and less strong at the end. I think that's all true. The first six songs are perfect. Yep. And the back six or seven songs are four of them are perfect and three of them are eights, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. They, they, I don't even know how I would describe them to people. Like they're catchy, but they're like, like the, the emo band right now. I yeah. Would say. But it's like, I couldn't even describe them as emo all that much. Uh, yeah. Know? It's or- impossible. They're like a cinematic band, which it makes sense. Cause a bunch of them went to like film school. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, like either do something new and interesting or do something <laughs> perfectly. And somehow they did both. They did something new and interesting and to perfection. Like there's to me, you know, at this point, like I will not expect this good of an album from them, no. you know, 
And and it could they could do something, but I don't expect them to try to keep the style. I think this was a lightning in a bottle moment for the band. I think it'll define them. Um, and it's you know I mean it's so to me it's so good. It's like you can to do that again would be like you'd have to completely change your sound because they've like they've like blown this out of the water. Like you can't do this again. Well, and we can compare it to a band that I know both of us love and now is kind of problematic, but brand new, always changing the style, always keeping it fresh and this album truly was a moment for them it was kind of a devil and god moment for them because it became an album that um is a little off-putting at first and it's also something you don't expect but what i love about it is there are so many different styles and so many different approaches and yes this is also my number one i should have said that um that the album is so consistent in being um like keeping you on your feet keeping you on your toes. And, um, and it's wild because like my favorite track on the album, other than game shark, I think game shark is probably my favorite. Um, heartbeats is so good and it's the most accessible song, but I just love that they wrote a song like that. It's so like the chorus, you are not enough. It's like, how did you think to write that song? You, and they pulled off live too. Oh, it's so good. And I saw them on a tour before they went and finished recording it, and they played a bunch of the songs live, and all of us in the crowd were like, fuck, holy shit, and they were all so good, and I I couldn't pick any other album than this one. I did move some stuff around, but it ended up having to be number one for me. Yeah, it was... I, I don't, was no I don't know how, how they, like, I thought Game Shark and... Is it Grand Paradise, the first song? Yeah. Those two songs, I was like, how are they gonna how is he gonna do that live? It was like cake for him. Like yep. it seems like it he didn't struggle at all. No. When it, I saw him, he had yeah. bronchitis and he didn't struggle. Like he was coughing into his arm the entire time and then would come back pitch perfect. Yeah. I will say, is there any other <laughs> singer for any band that you've ever seen where you're like, he could uh he looks like he's about to do my taxes. Yeah, like, he just looks like some like, fucking guy. Yeah. And he's like, always at the merge table. Yeah. He was super nice. I, I took a picture with him at the show, and his his eyes are closed. And I was like, oh, do you want to take another? He's like, oh, no, I always close my eyes in every picture. And I thought he was fucking with me. <laughs> then I went on their page, and I like, or I think I went on Instagram and like looked, like, hashtag foxing, and just looked at, like, all of their pictures. No. Yeah, he closes his eyes in every single picture that he takes with fans. Which is so hilarious. it was, yeah, it's yeah, which is super hilarious. It's like almost like kind of Seinfeldy for me. Like, just who does that? But like, that's something that like George would do or something. Like, oh yeah, I close my eyes in every picture. I look bad in every picture. That's way you know. I don't yeah. know. It was just, they anyway, remind, kind of, he reminds me of like every theater kid I ever knew. Like he would be like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. Someone like did like central casting you know, for a theater kid and put him in a show, I'd be like, oh, that's a little on the nose. It's a little stereotypical. You know? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I just but, love that he doesn't take himself too, too seriously while playing music that is, like, so fucking serious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, no. Really. music for me. Like, to me, this was yeah. probably one of the stronger years the last for the last five as far as, like, I think any of my five here probably would have been 
number ones in any of my other years. Like it was just a really strong year for music for me. Like I was blown away with a lot of this. And like Casey mentioned at the beginning, just a lot of stuff that like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have not have guessed Foxing. I would have not have guessed Trophy Eyes for sure. Culture Abuse, no way. Turnstile, no way. I didn't even know who Fever 333 was at the beginning of the year. So like all of all of my favorite albums were surprises for me. Like any of the bands that I thought were going to be awesome ended up being kind of like afterthoughts. Like I, I would have thought the new Thrice record would be awesome, and I was just, none of us mentioned it. <laughs> it it made my top twenty, but it was just you know. It's, I mean, it's, it's not like, a bad record. I know a lot of people were like it, but it's honorary. It's like Sorry. an honor because because they're Thrice. I put them yeah. in my top twenty at twenty. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's just stuff like that where it was like, yeah, like, yeah, like I would have thought that would have been higher. I would have thought that, um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess if you had told me that Hope's Fall was coming out with anyone, I thought that would have been higher. I would have thought that Tiny Moving Parts would have been higher for me. It wasn't. But yeah, just a, um Oh, another one that I thought was going to even make my list, which didn't, which was the new Chemist album. I know you're not into them, Casey, but um, the new Chemist album was pretty good. I mean, it's their doom metal, and I loved their last one. I thought that was going to be really good, and it just didn't really grab me. So, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. My top, like, 36 or 40, I know I go way bigger because I'm obnoxious and do stupid shit, but they're, like... <laughs> It's so solid to me. Like they're all so solid. And so it was really hard for me to just, cause like I'm doing solo posts for the top 24. And so like, those are all like airtight for me. Um, Yep. Yep. I I will say sexual move. move Airtight. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's all right. We're an hour and a half in. No one's listening anyway, which is a perfect time to throw out me and Scott's Instagrams. Yay! Which... <laughs> so, so, yeah, you can check out what I'm listening to, I guess, at uh, Viva La Stereo on Instagram. You can check my stuff out at Baseball and Music. It's records and my dogs and my life. Yeah. I should really such a deep come up with sigh a... when you say my life. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> I, I feel like I should really have like a vinyl only. Like I've been doing Instagram on with records for so long, and I just I'm I don't have the followers that I feel like I should. Don't don't do it, man. Like I actually like seeing all our vinyl posters. I like seeing their life stuff as well. Like yeah. I do too. But then I see guys that just started collecting vinyl this year, or just started. Instagram account this year, and they have like 2,000 followers. I'm like, oh, okay. And get like 600 likes on every single post, and I'm like, you don't even, what are you doing? Yeah, I also, I guess another knock against not doing that would be, I don't really want to like have to set up a lighting fixture every time I want to play an album. I mean, I have a light, but that's because I have no natural light. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. Anyway. If you could see me take my picture every single you know every single week, you'll you would see that in my other hand is a lamp, like <laughs> that I drag over from the end table to put above my record if I'm shooting it at night. In in you the should, daytime, I got good natural light, but you should have I, Kelly take a picture of you taking a picture. It'd be super meta. All right, I will. 
<laughs> well, hell yeah, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. It was great to chat with you, and I cannot wait to do so again. And I can't wait for all of us to be together in one place for probably the first time when we go to Scott's wedding. <laughs> yeah. If we do this next year, I'll be married. Yay! Yeah. Maybe I will too. Probably not. <laughs> All right, y'all, take it easy. Yeah, take it easy. All right, we're not done yet, but I do want to thank Casey and Scott one more time for chatting with me. I'm very stoked that we got to have a great conversation about a whole bunch of music that we enjoyed. And I'm not done with music. I'm going to share you two more songs. But first, please check out the show notes if you liked any of the music you heard today in this episode. And check out the Patreon account for the Art of Survival that is in the show notes as well. Anything that you can do to support us would be huge. You can even support this podcast through becoming a sponsor uh, uh, as well. So I'm going to leave you with two more songs And then we'll get to work uh, next week with another conversation with some folks in the scene around some educational stuff. I'm going to play you a song from the New Me Without You album, which I loved so much. It is called Julia or Holy to the Lord on the Bells of Horses. And then I'm going to play you a song from mine and Casey's number one album from the new Foxing album. It is called Lich Prince. I hope you enjoy both of these songs and then I will see you next week. Let's get to work. (laughs) 